All right, welcome back or welcome to uh, this week's episode. My name is Trevor Monroe, and this week I thought we would talk about the quarterback room, just reflect or do a retrospective on, on the quarterback situation, how that unfolded, and how it may play into this hiring of the new offensive coordinator and other uh, uh, coaches that the, the buffs are, are looking for. One is offensive line and the other is wide receivers coach. Um, so we are a week out from the signing period. And as it stands, it looks like uh, the buffs probably won't have an offensive coordinator hire before then. Uh, the market is still pretty fluid. There's so much happening in the, the coaching carousel that new doors are opening daily. So I really think it's it's a good time to still be exploring the market, much to the chagrin of a lot of the Buff fans who are very impatient. But, but in reality, I checked yesterday, I think 13 of the 36 open offensive coordinate coordinator positions are filled so a lot of teams are, are uh, trying to woo in the, the offensive coordinators and it sounds like uh, Carl Durrell and Lance Carl are out there on the recruiting ter- trail at least Carl Durrell is but they are currently interviewing candidates uh, in the evenings um, and probably any chance they get really so uh, chances are that hire will be after the signing date um, but in this episode, I just want to talk about that quarterback room and talk about all the drama that, that happened and some of the results that happened this year, uh, because that will be important uh, for the new offensive coordinator to really evaluate that quarterback room. Uh, we'll also talk about some of the, the names to keep an eye on. Uh, we have many commits uh, that are expected to sign next week, uh, but there are several candidates uh, that the buffs are still pursuing that they're trying to flip or they're uncommitted so there's some excitement there as always the the transfer portal is uh, you know filling up this time of year especially with some of these coaching changes the buffs uh, have had their share go in i think it's at eight currently uh but five have also entered their names since since the season has kind of wound down. Chenault uh, was the first. Levante Chenault, he went in before the season ended, close to, the, close to that time. Keith Miller, another wide receiver. Chris Carpenter, another wide receiver, have entered. Uh, Oliver Trustin, a safety, entered, as did Ashad Clayton, uh, highly recruited four-star quarterback. He's in the portal now. And Simon, Jaden Simon, the defensive tackle, uh, redshirt defensive tackle, also is in there. So uh, I think those are all welcomed, or you know, if not welcomed, uh, not bad movements for for the Buffs. We do need to open up some of the scholarships to accommodate, you know, however, you know, probably six off-season moves. In the, <laughs> I'm just throwing that number out there, but we do need to get some incoming uh, bodies, especially at high need positions like tackle like quarterback safety maybe maybe inside linebacker maybe wide receiver we'll see okay i'm looking forward to jumping in uh let's talk about quarterback room all right i think it's a good time to reflect on the qb room uh in general and to do that let's step back to the uh, beginning of this 2021 off season, right? So we, we come off the Alamo bowl 
and we have Sam Neuer, who is the Pac-12 Player of the Year or First Team All Pac-12 quarterback as the incumbent starter. Brennan Lewis also got some time in the Alamo Bowl. And both of those quarterbacks are run-pass option style quarterbacks. They have the ability to run. Uh, in the offseason, very early in the offseason, it was either immediately following the Alamo Bowl or perhaps even before then, we get a transfer from J.T. Shrout. Uh, so he played at Tennessee. He did get into a couple games at Tennessee at least, and he's more of a pro-style quarterback. Um, so that was one move that the last offensive coordinator, Darren Chevrini and Danny Langsdorf and Carl Durrell, the, you know, the staff had made to go after this, this pro-style quarterback. They were kind of, they inherited it, so to speak, not exactly with Sam Neuer. They, you know, Sam Neuer had been at CU, but he was in the portal and they re-recruited him. But basically they have half of the room that is a run pass option style quarterback, Sam Neuer and Brendan Lewis, those two scholarship quarterbacks, and the other half, uh, JT Shroud, and then incoming freshman Drew Carter, who they all, this staff also recruited, uh, who are more pro-style quarterbacks. Now, both JT Shroud and, and Drew Carter, they are mobile quarterbacks, but at least on their profiles and 247s, it's, it's pro-style. Uh, a couple other walk-ons that were in the mix, so you have Mike Chandler, uh, who was a run-pass option, heavy running quarterback, walk-on. He transferred to Lamar in the offseason, and then they brought in a freshman who was actually there for spring practice, Jordan Wolverton, also kind of a run-pass option style quarterback. So I say this just to, you know, to paint the picture that we had options, I guess you could say, or different identities. Half the room is run-pass option style quarterback, and half the room is pro style quarterback. So I was trying to kind of divine what's going through the minds of the offensive coordinators at the time. And I you know, reflected on that a little bit in the, the preseason episode, even before JT Shroud got injured. But I, I think it's safe to say that, you know, either they could go in one direction or the other, or they could do both some hybrid of run pass option. And, and that's viable too. a lot of even pro teams or with pro style quarterbacks have RPO built in. But the way things played out uh, kind of forced their hand. But before I get there, I also want to talk about the tackle room, right, which also had really poor depth and a really poor offseason. So um, Frank Phillip, who is the returning incumbent at right tackle and was expected to move to left tackle, he had an offseason surgery, got hurt in, in spring practice, early in spring practice. So he was out for most of the offseason and well into game four of the fall season. Uh, we had a transfer, Max Ray from Ohio State. He was expected to fill in at one of the tackle spots. He was a four-star, but he was not able to join until the fall. So he didn't have any uh, spring experience. Uh, and in fact, he had a season-ending in injury early on in game four that kept him out all season. Uh, you know, Cut back to spring practice, um, we have two freshmen uh, in the spring game, starting the spring game. So Jared... Christian Lichtenhan is a freshman. He was running with the first team and second team at one tackle position. And then he had freshman Jake Wiley at the other tackle position. I don't think any of us expected either of those two to be the starting tackles or play much, uh, you know, come fall time. But that was the situation. 
We had one other uh, tackle, Valentine Sen, an Austrian, who unfortunately also decided to transfer after uh, after the spring game. So he went to University of Connecticut. So we we were in dire shape, dire straits at at tackle, and this happened. So following uh, spring practice, you have Sam Neuer, who decides to transfer. He goes to Oregon State University, and his transfer does not open up a scholarship. He's a super senior, so they couldn't readily replace him. Uh, within weeks, probably seven weeks later, in fall camp, JT Shrout experiences a season-ending uh, injury. So that leaves the Buffs with the thinnest and youngest uh, quarterback room in FBS football. We have two freshmen. One's Brennan Lewis, pro, you know, uh, RPO style running quarterback, and one is Drew Carter, true freshman, more of a pro style. So I think you know what, whatever they were thinking going in. Now, the reality going into their first game was that they have Brennan Lewis. He's going to be the starter. Um, the dilemma is that even though his strengths may be in the running game and he may want to run, you know, design a lot of schemes that are run heavy and RPO heavy, but because you don't have a similar quarterback behind him, at least one, you only have one quarterback behind him. That, that also limits your, uh, your ability to run certain schemes or it may, it makes the staff, uh, I think, understandably risk averse to put him in harm's way too often. Uh, you combine that, and I think the staff really knew the situation that they were in. I definitely give them the benefit of the doubt. They understood this perfectly. They had, you know, poor performance at at tackle, at least going into the season. I think they probably still held out hope that, you know, Frank Phillip would be back and Max Ray would be um, the answer. But really, n- neither of those players really had turned out. You know, Max Ray had the season-ending injury early. When Frank Phillip did get into the tackle position, he was rusty and had a, uh, a much poorer season than he had last year in pass blocks. So, so I think there could have been, you know, an alternate reality, right? Let's assume that Sam Neuer had stayed. Hey, let's even assume Mike Chandler, the the walk on running quarterback, had stayed. So that would give you at least three solid options at. Uh, at quarterback, Brennan Lewis, Sam Neuer, Mike Chandler, that are really proficient at running uh, kind of an RPO run heavy scheme. And that might have been a dominant strategy. But the reality was that they had to hedge their uh, use of Brennan Lewis in the running game, I think from the jump. Um, and because they had a really poor pass protection or that maybe I, I assume they, if they didn't know that they knew that uh, very soon, very early on, I would say by the second half of the Texas A&M game, it became evident to Texas A&M and every defense thereafter that they, the buffs did not have a strong passing game. You know, you had a quarterback that tends to hold on the ball too long. You have uh, inability to protect him. And that allows you to do a lot of things. They don't need to blitz necessarily, but you can put pressure on Lewis. And, you know, in the end, it resulted in a poor offense. 128th, no, sorry, 128 
out of 130 teams in yards per game. And the list goes on and how many uh, poor, uh, how many categories the buffs are really historically poor in. Um, so just looking, I, I'm, I'm talking about this because I think some of this will play into the thinking, uh, the philosophy of the new offensive coordinator and kind of what, what hand that coordinator is dealt in the uh, quarterback room and what, what changes they may or may not make. But going into the season, as I mentioned, I, I really thought Brennan Lewis was this more running style RPO quarterback. Uh, I actually have reevaluated, uh, you know, my lens on him. I, I think he potentially does have more of a future as a, uh, or the ability to run more pro style schemes, especially after going through the uh, you know all the all the things he had to go through this year, but things that I was watching very early on, a couple of metrics were his time to throw. It was woeful in the first game. It was close to four seconds. It got down on average to three point one nine by the end of the season, um, which isn't great. It should probably you know Sam Neuer had two point six. Ideally, you want to be somewhere you know below two point seven or two point eight. Um, Another metric I kept an, an eye on was his average depth of target. Brendan Lewis threw uh, 6.8 yards on average depth. So uh, he didn't wasn't able to really press the ball downfield with much uh, effectiveness. Um, so other, other things that I thought were pretty good. So when he had a clean pocket, his rating, his NFL rating uh, was... 101 and that dropped precipitously almost more than half to 47.9 when he was under pressure. So he was really, he was actually really good in a, in a clean pocket. I wouldn't say really good, but good in a clean pocket. His adjusted accuracy was 73.7%. So that accounts for drop passes. It gives him credit for those, but that was pretty good. His interception rate was exceptional. That was only 1.8%. And in fact, uh, he led, you know, the team to set records in the turnover category. The season uh, on the season they only had seven, and uh, it was the lowest actually in the Power Five. Uh, so those were some some positive things. Another really kind of promising thing and actually perplexing uh, metric was the offensive scoring percentage in the red zone. I think they completed 30, they scored 31 out of 33 times, but whatever it was, it was up in the nineties as far as a scoring red zone percentage. And that also set a school record, um, which is not, doesn't really, uh, you know, follow from a team that's performing that poorly offensively to be that good in the red zone. So, so personally, I think, uh, Brendan, as long as he, you know, accelerates his progress, continues his progress. He, he obviously wasn't able to play very fast. We saw mixed results, but mostly he, he definitely needs to play faster, you know, do those things like throwing wide receivers open kind of, and improving his pocket presence, his anticipation definitely needs to be better under pressure, um, uh, and through, throw the ball downfield, press the ball downfield and all those things that come with experience, uh, and studying the game, you know, um, defensive checkoffs and things like that. Uh, if he's going to be the future of the buffs or have a chance to be the future of the buffs, I think his future, 
uh, will probably be more in a pro offensive style. That's my assumption that KD, you know, his heart of hearts, he wants to get, get an offensive coordinator who can run more of a pro style offense. Of course, you want a mobile pro uh, quarterback, and you probably want to do some RPO in there too. Um, but we'll see how how things shape up. Um, we also need to address if we're going to run that style offense, we got to address not just the QB position. We probably need uh, at least five scholarship QBs, but we need more depth at tackle. And uh, as the season played out, you know this is historically poor pass protection uh, as well. I think as far as PFF ratings, we we were certainly maybe you know bottom ten in FBS football. But things did show immediate improvement, actually, after Vallejos became the new uh, interim offensive line coach. The first two games, the Buffs, I think, allowed zero sacks. They had zero sacks against Oregon. They had the best P block grade, according to PFF, 73, uh, against Oregon, which at the time, I think they were better than top 20, at least, in pass rush. Uh, Next game, Oregon State, same story. They even get a better uh, pass block rating, but things regressed against UCLA and Utah and, 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 uh, university of Washington. You can also argue those are much stronger pass rushing defenses. Uh, UCLA brings a lot more blitzes than those other teams. And well, maybe not Oregon, but, uh, uh, and also Utah is a, an exceptionally strong, uh, pass rush and they're playing at the top of their game. So, so we'll see how things go. We'll see if Lejos is retained, but the buffs really need to address um, address those two positions. They need they need bodies. I think they also need um, to find an identity. So that new offensive coordinator. Hopefully, they have a brand of offense that they want to run. They they look at the quarterback room and they get at least five scholarship quarterbacks who whose skills uh, align with with that scheme, that system, that philosophy. Um, another thing to consider, I guess, uh, we do have a commit who's more of a pro style, Owen McCowan. He's the son of a former pro quarterback, Kay McCowan. Um, he's 6'2", 175, so not a you know, kind of slight in, in at least 175 pounds, but he's, he's a drop back passer. He's also very mobile as well. Um, at least looks, looks to be on, on tape in the film that I've seen. And and so I, I would speculate, you know, have JT Shroud, who's a pro style, you have Owen McCowan, you have Brendan Lewis, but I think you kind of, at least in my view of his development, I think he progresses more, you know, for pro style. So, so personally, I think those, those three plus Drew Carter, uh, the new offensive coordinator w- would have, would have something to work with, assuming they're going in that kind of direction. Uh, so in that scenario, no need to to reshuffle at least the existing quarterback room. You may bring in another transfer that that fits your profile as well. Uh, as far as tackle is is concerned, I think they need to get two tackles in this class. So they have currently have let's see four scholarship uh, tackles. We have Frank Phillip and and Jake Wiley. The starter is Max Ray. To, to be determined, he had that concussion injury. He may or may not come back. We'll see. Uh, and Jared uh, Christian Lichtenhan. Uh, we we have a f- at least one commit, I think, uh, that will come in, not sure in the spring, but definitely by the fall. 
but they put an offer out there already to uh, one tackle. Uh, he goes by Big Zeke on Twitter, and I forget what his actual name is. I think he's from Florida International University. He's garnering attention from other Power 5 programs. UCLA uh, just recently offered, so there'll be some competition there. But I definitely think um, they need to just err on the side of over overcompensating in the quarterback room, get quarterbacks that uh, align with your with the new system, and then uh, get maybe, my guess, maybe six scholarship tackles uh, in the picture. We just can't go through another season where we just have this, this nexus of young quarterbacks and young tackles, and I don't think we will. Uh, things should improve. The buffs should improve. We've got uh, – probably close to projected 80% production returning next year. So that that usually is a good sign, teams with that kind of production returning. Last time the Buffs had that was 19, 2016, I think. Uh, it was 67% last year. Um, but they usually, on average, will uh, show much more improvement than, say, those that uh, are lower in the mid or lower percentiles of returning production. Okay, so I hope you could follow that that story. Uh, hopefully, what I'm saying uh, makes sense and something to think about as we as we look to the next OC hire. All right, we're on the home stretch. Only six more days until the early signing date, which is December 16th. The Buffs currently have. 16 commitments, although not all of those will sign on just on you know, early signing period. Some of them will wait to February 2nd. But so far, so good. We haven't had any major defectors. And in fact, we've had a few late breaking uh, flips. One of them was Aaron Carey. He's an outside linebacker. He flipped from Texas commit to the buffs. Uh, the class, the commits, they look good. It actually could be the highest ranked class the Buffs have had since they've joined the Pac-12. Um, so lots of exciting players. We'll talk about those players uh, next time. Um, this time I want to mention a few players that are the Buffs are still in the hunt for. Uh, so these are players that are uncommitted as of yet or that the Buffs have a chance of flipping. I'll mention, let's see, five names to watch. But Adam Munster-Tiger the editor over at Buff Stampede. He has a list of about 12 to watch. But the biggest one, biggest name for me uh, that I hope we get, he's a four-star safety from Mission Hills. I had a chance to see him up close and personal at the Oregon State game. He certainly looks the part. His name is Larry Turner Gooden. Uh, a lot of programs uh, are trying to uh, get in on him. Texas is also one of them. Uh, as well as Maryland. Uh, we'll see where he lands, but I don't expect to hear that until he announces actually January 1st. He's in he's in one of those all-star games, so I think he'll make the announcement then. But he will he will commit silently before then if he goes to the buffs or whatever programming goes. Uh, another four-star to keep an eye on is Jaden Ott. He's being courted by USC by UCLA. He's all a four-star running back, a bigger running back from Northern California. He would really make a nice tandem uh, with Victor Venn, who's who's out of Georgia. He's he's already a Buffs commit, 
Victor Venn's kind of a, a speed back, whereas Jaden Knott is probably more of a power back. Uh, we'll see what his decision is. Um, the Buffs have been recruiting Jackson Brown for quite some time. He's currently committed to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh uh, had a change in offensive coordinator, and Buff staff have been in the home of Jackson, I think, this week. Uh, so he's a potential flip. Uh, one thing the Buffs have going for him, Jackson Brown is you know offensive tackle, 6'6", but he's also vegetarian. So he will uh, not be at a loss for good uh, options, vegetarian f- restaurant options in Boulder should he commit. Um, the next two names, so if you tuned in last week, uh, and if you didn't, go back and check it out. I kind of gave position grade ratings and also wish lists for recruiting, but on that wish list was to strengthen ties with the Polynesian community, which is uh, which produces a phenomenal uh, amount of uh, quality athletes, you know, from the Islanders. Uh, the other was this growing communities of Nigerian football players uh, and German football players. So the Buffs actually have uh, or have had a couple German players. One of them is still on still on roster, Joschka Gustav. Um, and we've had a Dube Awuzie, uh, on, he was a Nigerian, uh, background, uh, football player for the buffs at quarterback couple years ago. He's currently in the pros. Uh, but anyway, so Oki Salvia, he is the son of former buff Oakland Salvia, who played defensive line in the 1990s for the buffs. Oakland Salvea, Oki's dad, is a coach. So I think this would be a good, uh, great get for the Buffs. He probably will play on the defensive side of the ball, but he he's currently a quarter, high school quarterback. Oki Salvea. Second one, uh, Samuel Ukenloa. So I assume by the last name he, you know, he's his Nigerian ethnicity. Uh, but he's an edge rusher currently playing, I think, in in Maine, definitely on the East Coast. So hopefully we we make small steps to uh, get both these players in the fold and more. Uh, I think it's uh, it's a good recruiting effort overall. But a few of these uh, these commits, especially like the four stars, will help put this uh, put this class in. A little bit better standing nationally. It'd be great if we can, ta- you know, break break the forties, get into the thirties, uh, as well as some bumps from some current players. So there's players like Kenny Soares, and we'll see. Uh, um, Dixon is a safety. Both of those could be upgraded in the final analysis to four stars. Uh, but all in all, I'm pretty excited and happy about the uh the buffs effort this year we'll see how it turns out all right i think it's a good time to reflect on the qb room uh in general and to do that let's step back to the uh beginning of this 2021 off season right so we we come off the alamo bowl and we have Sam Neuer, who is the Pac-12 Player of the Year or first-team All-Pac-12 quarterback as the incumbent starter. Brennan Lewis also got some time in the Alamo Bowl. And both of those quarterbacks are run-pass option style quarterbacks. They have the ability to run. 
in the off season, very early in the off season, it was either immediately following the Alamo Bowl or perhaps even before then, we get a transfer from JT Shroud. Uh, so he played at Tennessee. He did get into a couple games at Tennessee at least, and he's more of a pro style quarterback. Um, so that was one move that the last offensive coordinator, Darren Chevrini and Danny Langsdorf and Carl Durrell, the, you know, the staff had made to go after this, this pro style quarterback. They were kind of, they inherited it, so to speak, not exactly with Sam Neuer. They, you know, Sam Neuer had been at CU, but he was in the portal and they re-recruited him. But basically they have half of the room that is a run pass option style quarterback, Sam Neuer and Brendan Lewis, those two scholarship quarterbacks, and the other half, uh, JT Shroud, and then incoming freshman Drew Carter, who they all this staff also recruited, uh, who are more pro-style quarterbacks. Now, both JT Shroud and, and Drew Carter, they are mobile quarterbacks, but at least on their profiles and 247s, it's, it's pro-style. Uh, a couple other walk-ons that were in the mix. So you have Mike Chandler, uh, who was a run-pass option, heavy running quarterback, walk-on. He transferred to Lamar in the offseason. And then they brought in a freshman who was actually there for spring practice, Jordan Wolverton, also kind of a run-pass option style quarterback. So I say this just to, you know, to paint the picture that we had options, I guess you could say, are different identities. Half the room is run-pass option style quarterback, and half the room is pro-style quarterback. So I was trying to kind of divine what's going through the minds of the offensive coordinators at the time, and I you know, reflected on that a little bit in the the preseason episode, even before JT Shroud got injured. But I, I think it's safe to say that you know either they could go in one direction or the other, or they could do both, some hybrid of run pass option, and, and that's viable too. A lot of even pro teams or with pro style quarterbacks have RPO built in. But the way things played out uh, kind of forced their hand. But before I get there, I also want to talk about the tackle room, right, which also had really poor depth and a really poor offseason. So um, Frank Phillip, who is the returning incumbent at right tackle and was expected to move to left tackle, he had an offseason surgery, got hurt in in spring practice, early in spring practice. So he was out for most of the offseason and well into game four of the fall season. Uh, we had a transfer, Max Ray from Ohio State. He was expected to fill in at one of the tackle spots. He was a four-star, but he was not able to join until the fall. So he didn't have any uh, spring experience. Uh, and in fact, he had a season-ending in injury early on in game four that kept him out all season. Uh, you know, Cut back to spring practice, um, we have two freshmen uh, in the spring game, starting the spring game. So Jared... Christian Lichtenhan is a freshman. He was running with the first team and second team at one tackle position. And then he had freshman Jake Wiley at the other tackle position. I don't think any of us expected either of those two to be the starting tackles or play much, uh, you know, come fall time. But that was the situation. We had one other uh, tackle, Valentine Sen, an Austrian, who unfortunately also decided to transfer after uh, – after the spring game. So he went to University of Connecticut. So we we were in dire shape, dire straits at, at tackle. And this happens. So following 
uh, spring practice, you have Sam Neuer, who decides to transfer. He goes to Oregon State University, and his transfer does not open up a scholarship. He's a super senior, so they couldn't readily replace him. Uh, within weeks, probably seven weeks later, in fall camp, JT Shrout experiences a season-ending uh, injury. So that leaves the Buffs with the thinnest and youngest uh, quarterback room in FBS football. We have two freshmen, one's Brennan Lewis, pro, you know, uh, RPO style running quarterback, and one is Drew Carter, true freshman, more of a pro style. So I think, you know, what, whatever they were thinking going in, now the reality going into their first game was that they have Brennan Lewis. He's going to be the starter. Um, the dilemma is that even though his strengths may be in the running game and he may want to run, you know, design a lot of schemes that are run heavy and RPO heavy, but because you don't have a similar quarterback behind him, at least one, you only have one quarterback behind him. That that also limits your uh, your ability to run certain schemes, or you, it may it makes the staff, uh, I think, understandably risk averse to put him in harm's way too often. Uh, you combine that, and I think the staff really knew the situation that they were in. I definitely give them the benefit of the doubt. They understood this perfectly. They had, you know, poor performance at, at tackle, at least going into the season. I think they probably still held out hope that, you know, Frank Phillip would be back and Max Ray would be um, the answer. But really, n- neither of those players really had turned out. You know, Max Ray had the season-ending injury early. When Frank Phillip did get into the tackle position, he was rusty and had a, uh, a much poorer season than he had last year in pass blocks. So, so I think there could have been, you know, an alternate reality, right? Let's assume that Sam Neuer had stayed. Hey, let's even assume Mike Chandler, the, the walk-on running quarterback, had stayed. So that would give you at least three solid options at, uh, at quarterback. Brennan Lewis, Sam Neuer, Mike Chandler, that are really proficient at running uh, kind of an RPO run-heavy scheme. And that might have been a dominant strategy. But the reality was that they had to hedge their uh, use of Brennan Lewis in the running game, I think from the jump. Um, And because they had a really poor pass protection or that maybe I I assume they, if they didn't know that they knew that uh, very soon, very early on, I would say by the second half of the Texas A&M game, it became evident to Texas A&M and every defense thereafter that they, the buffs did not have a strong passing game. You know, you had a quarterback that tends to hold on the ball too long. You have uh, inability to protect him and that allows you to do a lot of things. They don't need to blitz necessarily, but you can put pressure on Lewis and, you know, in the end it resulted in a poor offense, 128th, no, sorry, 128 out of 130 teams in yards per game. And the list goes on and how many, uh, poor, uh, how many categories the buffs are really historically poor in. Um, so 
just looking, I, I'm, I'm talking about this because I think some of this will play into the thinking, uh, the philosophy of the new offensive coordinator and kind of what, what hand that coordinator is dealt in the uh, quarterback room and what, what changes they may or may not make. But going into the season, as I mentioned, I, I really thought Brennan Lewis was this more running style RPO quarterback. Uh, I actually have reevaluated, uh, you know, my lens on him. I, I think he potentially does have more of a future as a, uh, or the ability to run more pro style schemes, especially after going through the, uh, you know, all the all the things he had to go through this year. But things that I was watching very early on, a couple of metrics were his time to throw. It was woeful in the first game. It was close to four seconds. It got down on average to 3.19 by the end of the season, um, which isn't great. It should probably, you know, Sam Neuer had 2.6. Ideally, you want to be somewhere, you know, below 2.7 or 2.8. Um, another metric I kept an, an eye on was his average depth of target. Brendan Lewis threw uh, 6.8 yards on average depth. So, uh, he didn't wasn't able to really press the ball downfield with much uh, effectiveness. Um, so other other things that I thought were pretty good. So when he had a clean pocket, his rating, his NFL rating uh, was 101, and that dropped precipitously, almost more than half, to 47.9 when he was under pressure. So he was really, he was actually really good in a in a clean pocket. I wouldn't say really good, but good in a clean pocket. His adjusted accuracy was 73.7%. Uh, so that accounts for drop passes. It gives him credit for those, but that was pretty good. His interception rate was exceptional. That was only 1.8%. And in fact, uh, he led, you know, the team to set records in the turnover category. The season uh, on the season they only had seven, and uh, it was the lowest actually in the Power Five. Uh, so those were some some positive things. Another really kind of promising thing, and actually perplexing uh, metric, was the offensive scoring percentage in the red zone. I think they completed 30, they scored 31 out of 33 times, but whatever it was, it was up in the nineties as far as a scoring red zone percentage. And that also set a school record, um, which is not, doesn't really, uh, you know, follow from a team that's performing that poorly offensively to be that good in the red zone. So, so personally, I think, uh, Brendan, as long as he, you know, accelerates his progress, continues his progress. He, he obviously wasn't able to play very fast. We saw mixed results, but mostly he, he definitely needs to play faster, you know, do those things like throwing wide receivers open kind of, and improving his pocket presence, his anticipation definitely needs to be better under pressure, um, uh, and through, throw the ball downfield, press the ball downfield and all those things that come with experience, uh, and studying the game, you know, um, defensive checkoffs and things like that. Uh, if he's going to be the future of the buffs or have a chance to be the future of the buffs, I think his future, uh, will probably be more in a pro offensive style. That's my assumption that KD, you know, has heart of hearts. He wants to get, get an offensive coordinator who can run more of a pro style offense, of course, you want a mobile pro uh, quarterback, and you probably want to do some RPO in there too. Um, but we'll see how 
how things shape up. Um, we also need to address, if we're going to run that style offense, we've got to address not just the QB position. We probably need uh, at least five scholarship QBs, but we need more depth at tackle. And uh, as the season played out, you know, this is historically poor pass protection uh, as well. I think as far as PFF ratings, we, we were certainly maybe, you know, bottom 10 in FBS football. But things did show immediate improvement, actually, after Vallejos became the new uh, interim offensive line coach. The first two games, the Buffs, I think, allowed zero sacks. They had zero sacks against Oregon. They had the best P block grade, according to PFF, 73, uh, against Oregon, which at the time, I think they were better than top 20, at least, in pass rush. Uh, next game, Oregon State, same story. They even get a better uh, pass block rating, but things regressed against UCLA and Utah and, 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 uh, university of Washington. You can also argue those are much stronger pass rushing defenses. Uh, UCLA brings a lot more blitzes than those other teams. And well, maybe not Oregon, but, uh, uh, and also Utah is a, an exceptionally strong, uh, pass rush and they're playing at the top of their game. So, so we'll see how things go. We'll see if Lejos is retained, but the buffs really need to address um, address those two positions. They need they need bodies. I think they also need um, to find an identity. So that new offensive coordinator. Hopefully, they have a brand of offense that they want to run. They they look at the quarterback room and they get at least five scholarship quarterbacks who whose skills uh, align with with that scheme, that system, that philosophy. Um, another thing to consider, I guess, uh, we do have a commit who's more of a pro style, Owen McCowan. He's the son of a former pro quarterback, Kay McCowan. Um, he's 6'2", 175, so not a you know, kind of slight in, in at least 175 pounds, but he's, he's a drop back passer. He's also very mobile as well. Um, at least looks, looks to be on, on tape in the film that I've seen. And and so I, I would speculate, you know, have JT Shroud, who's a pro style, you have Owen McCowan, you have Brendan Lewis, but I think you kind of, at least in my view of his development, I think he progresses more, you know, for pro style. So, so personally, I think those, those three plus Drew Carter, uh, the new offensive coordinator w- would have, would have something to work with, assuming they're going in that kind of direction. Uh, so in that scenario, no need to to reshuffle at least the existing quarterback room. You may bring in another transfer that that fits your profile as well. Uh, as far as tackle is, is concerned, I think they need to get two tackles in this class. So they have currently have, let's see, four scholarship uh, tackles. We have Frank Phillip and, and Jake Wiley. The starter is Max Ray. To, to be determined, he had that concussion injury. He may or may not come back. We'll see. Uh, and Jared uh, Christian Lichtenhan. Uh, we we have a f- at least one commit, I think, uh, that will come in. I'm not sure in the spring, but definitely by the fall. But they put an offer out there already to uh, one tackle. Uh, he goes by Big Zeke on Twitter, and I forget what his actual name is. I think he's from Florida International University. He's garnering attention from 
other Power 5 programs UCLA uh, just recently offered. So there'll be some competition there. But I definitely think um, they need to just err on the side of over overcompensating in the quarterback room, get quarterbacks that uh, align with your with the new system, and then uh, get maybe, my guess, maybe six scholarship tackles uh, in the picture. We just can't go through another season where we just have this, this nexus of young quarterbacks and young tackles, and I don't think we will. Uh, things should improve. The buffs should improve. We've got uh, – probably close to projected 80% production returning next year. So that, that usually is a good sign teams with that kind of production returning last time the buffs had, that was 19, 2016. I think uh, it was 67% last year. Um, but they usually on average will uh, show much more improvement than say those that uh, are lower in the mid or lower percentiles of returning production. Okay, so I hope you could follow that that story. Uh, hopefully, what I'm saying uh, makes sense and something to think about as we as we look to the next OC hire. <laughs>